0: Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today, we're joined by Steve Tonks, who's Senior Vice President EMEA for Workforce Software. Hi, Steve.
1: Hi, Simon. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, very good. Very good. Thank you. We'll talk a bit about the world, and clearly it's been a strange old uh, year to date, and I'm sure will be for some of next year. We'll talk, we'll talk a bit about how you guys at Workforce Software have been responding to some of the things that have been happening in the world. But I think interestingly today, We'll have a chat about how people who can't work from home have been helped by you guys. I think there's been a lot we've talked about in previous podcasts about helping people who work from home, but we're going to flip it around today. So we'll get into that in a second, but just tell us a bit about yourself, how long you've been at Workforce Software, what you did before. I joined Workforce
1: um, earlier this year, actually, but I've been in the technology sector for twenty years now. I started my career in the manufacturing industry, really around kind of market research and performance analysis, and that got me into forecasting, which then into um, supply chain and some systems implementation, and moved to the vendor side, as say about twenty years ago, which was great because that's actually always been a kind of passion of mine when we were. Uh, Young, a lot of my friends had um, pictures of uh, of cars and footballers on their wall. I tended to have things of of technology related. So, um, I often say I've, I've never really done a day's work in my life, uh, and this has just been a, a passion that I've been able to indulge during that time through various different software companies, uh, particularly around applications that enable people to make better decisions or improve business processes and that naturally takes you through supply chain where it's about right product into the right place through to workforce management which is very much about the right people in the right place at the right time as well
0: there's lots of press coverage around people who are working from home and having to adapt and companies doing things differently by enabling those teams to do that but clearly maybe unrecognized there's also lots of people in lots of different industries that are still having to go into the office the factory the hospital and carry out their day-to-day activities because that's what's keeping the rest of us going and, and the economy spinning. How at Workforce Software have you been helping those organisations and what themes and requests have been coming through from, from those types of customers?
1: Yeah, indeed. I think, Simon, so. saw a, a statistic that said up to 60% of the workforce actually are, aren't able to work remotely. And our strengths have long been in... And uh, the manufacturing sector, obviously plant-based uh, in retail, uh, people kind of have uh, a, a location that they need to go to, as well as the kind of broader uh, service sector in things like uh, transportation, logistics, in, in public sector, where people have to go to the place of work to, to deliver those services and, uh, and those capabilities, so in the early part of the pandemic, we saw that people were trying to reschedule and, uh, and repurpose. So, with either limited numbers of, of staff, we had one organisation actually managed to repurpose all of their retail store staff into customer service agents working remotely. So, and um, scheduling that from being uh, location based to um, time-based working at home was what was an interesting challenge. We had to kind of react very very quickly with them. We then also set up very early on a what called COVID response centre to enable our customers to stay in sync with any kind of changes of legislation. So, for example, in the UK and a number of the European countries, the sick pay regulations. Various responses change very, very quickly. So we we're able to help people um, adapt uh, to those. And our customer service and support teams work very, very hard to help customers make those changes. But as things have progressed, we found that the As people started to return to those locations as as lockdown eases, the idea of um, changing uh, scheduling patterns, so uh, to reflect either social distancing or staggered shifts or to avoid uh, overlaps in working patterns have been uh, very important. Um, People have wanted to change their clocking mechanisms. So rather than having uh, the traditional perhaps biometric where you put a fingerprint to look for other ways where you have non-touch and clocking and people are now starting to look at things like facial recognition and from a time and attendance point of view enabling people to do things like um, contract tracing and reporting on there as well as um, pre-shift uh, health screening to try and make sure that we isolate or, uh, identify any employees that might be suffering from symptoms before they report for work and give them appropriate advice as a result. I think now we're starting to see People look beyond that in terms of how they organise the future of work, but also thinking about the longer term impacts of employees and how we look at sentiment, how we make sure that we retain and motivate top talent, and, and, and kind of prepare this as
0: being more of a long haul, I think, than a, a kind of short term crisis. So it's a, a big demand for more health and safety based parts of the technology which i don't know actually yeah it's driven that, hasn't it because before like you say clocking in was binary so it was a swipe card a key fob then it went pretty much biometric but actually that technology it's interesting how that's morphed into like you referenced health checks prior making sure that anybody who's potentially got a high temperature let's say doesn't get into the the office or the factory that it's no touch that you've gathering data that can be used now for for track and trace Those are short-term things that have been driven out of keeping people in the environment and making it as safe as possible with the tech tech that's there. What are the wider kind of market trends that you're seeing in the the workforce management industry that, that maybe were there prior to all the lockdown pieces or have been accelerated or even new trends post I think there are certainly two or three that I think we have seen
1: um, accelerated uh, through through the last year. The first one is, um, I think, from a technology point of view, a move towards the cloud. And we've certainly seen a number of customers who, as I mentioned, have as as legislation and ways of working have changed very rapidly over the past seven or eight months the uh, ability to make changes in, in legacy solutions have been um, quite challenging, and that's perhaps hampered their ability to react to changing circumstances. Whereas um, organizations recognize that if you are in the cloud, the ability to deploy new functionality in a very, very short space of time uh, really helps them uh, gain an advantage in the situation. So I think I think the move to cloud, move to cloud, will be uh, accelerated. Unfortunately, we've been a cloud provider for ten years now, so a quite adept at kind of helping organisations uh, make that move. I think there are two others uh, as well that we see. That the first of is again existed, I think, before the, the the pandemic was the desire for employees to have more flexibility to, to have more control over their working lives particularly as i mentioned that kind of hourly paid environment where we, we work where typically employees perhaps seem to have less uh, flexibility and less control over their working lives so the ability to uh, request time off uh, easily to be able to see when they're working and change shifts to be able to and um, perhaps swap shifts with a colleague we've also seen the ability of Employees to coordinate their um, working patterns with employees so that they can um, car share, for example, and carpool, um, which obviously has a kind of positive impact on the environment, but also allows people to kind of work in groups to uh, maintain a, a kind of a social uh, element within there. I think as well, the the third trend is probably from the sort of uh, management side. So uh, we have a tool called the Workforce Hub, which allows the employee to manage their working life uh, more effectively. Coupled with that is something called the Workforce Assistant, which allows uh, managers to react in the moment to various things happening, either um, someone has clocked in late, they haven't turned up to work, there's a request for um, time off that they can review and approve. And the ability to do that in the moment, get them away from their desk and actually either perhaps in a retail environment be walking around, meeting customers and working with employees rather than stuck in a back office or perhaps in a a manufacturing location where they're remote from that workforce to be able to action those things very quickly and easily improves both management, managers productivity, but also the speed of reaction, which benefits the employee because they recognize that their requests um, have been um, actioned very, very quickly and, and the organization's responsive to their needs.
0: Yeah, they're really interesting and certainly seen some of those come through with some of the clients we work with. If we just circle background on, on all three of them, actually. So cloud, cloud's interesting. Like you say, you guys have been in the cloud for 10 years plus. It's really interesting still how those organisations that are very polarised in that whole cloud adoption. Some, it's the only way forward. Everything they do is that model of cloud software as a service People can spin up. They take the advantage of multi-tenant in in some organo- in some with some vendors where you'll make a development and that's accessible to them to configure on or off. Others, absolutely, the other way of they want it in their world, in their own private cloud, or still even locally deployed. What what's your take on those kind of the polarized? And I'm talking probably primarily retail and hospitality, if I'm honest. What's your take on the kind of those two conflicting views? The um, the the view of wanting to have the data
1: resident on premises is is quite often driven, of course, by a um, security and. Uh, data sovereignty point of view, and re- respecting employee data, which very, very kind of am um, sensitive and uh, uh, aware of. I think uh, we've made a massive investment in uh, both having uh, data centers in uh, locations that typically. Um, so we have European data centers, for example, where uh, that gives a level of, of comfort and confidence to our to our European customers, so that uh, the, the data is resident within within the European community and, and similar approaches in, in different parts of the world as well. Uh, plus an enormous investment in um, security standards and kind of world class data security and uh, methodology that ensures that data is uh, as well protected within a within an environment of a cloud provider as it would be um, on premise and. I think the, 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 the move every year towards the, the sort of flexibility, the cost of ownership and ability to really, uh, deploy technology quickly and easily is, is something which kind of makes the weight towards moving and being hosted within the cloud more attractive year on year to, to, to customers and organizations that we talk with.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the, the next generation of that is and where we are in the next ten years' time, I'm sure it will advance as quickly as other parts of, of the world in terms of tech and deployment. The, the, the employee thing's interesting. Lots of things in the media around, you know, whole work life balance in in normal times, gig economy, so people having potentially in the future more jobs and working for three or four different companies potentially on terms that are more beneficial for them in terms of zero hours, flexible hours, annual hours, even or, or monthly hours. And that whole hub and assistant piece I find fascinating too, because we we, as you know, do lots of work with in retail, let's say, leadership teams. So we'll do day in the life of studies, help organizations understand how long those store managers potentially are spending in the office, what they're doing in the office, typically admin how much time they spend on the floor, how much time they spend interacting with customers and, and colleagues and the like. And it's interesting that you you talked around kind of the hub and the assistant piece of almost empowering managers to be more on the floor by giving them information at the right times, in real time, so they can act on it without being pulled back into the office. Because as soon as they sit down in the office, there'll be 100 and other, 101 other things that they can then start to do, be it emails or other bits of admin. Is that a conscious drive or pull from customers to do that, or is it just something you guys have picked up on and are actively pushing? Many, many of the things that, that we, we bring into the software and,
1: and develop um, are absolutely driven by by customers, and we certainly see that um, demand and that desire within our customer base to make their managers more, more productive. We certainly see a move uh, across many of the things that we do to people have actionable insights within the moment. So uh, one of the things that we've been working on recently is employee sentiment surveys. So taking the um, time and attendance or the scheduling data And using that to inform when we want to check in on how employees are doing. So I saw a really interesting thing from one of our partners about the impact upon the likelihood of someone to be with a company in three or six months' time on the number of times that their shifts uh, get changed at the last moment. And there's a a strong correlation between the amount of overtime that someone is offered, uh, how often their shift gets changed. Um, with the likelihood that they're going to be with a company uh, in, in the long term, uh, as well as being able to take informations, For example, if someone has clocked in late consistently in a certain day or a certain period of time, or they actually work quite a lot of overtime and they actually may be fatigued or getting a little bit burnt out, to um, so be able to just kind of ask them, how are you feeling right now? and use that as a way to gauge them and actually find workable solutions to make their working life a lot, a lot better. And even though we are potentially looking at a period of in, increased unemployment, there, I think, still is a desire to retain good, skilled, quality talent, and, and organisations will be continue to kind of fall over themselves to uh, do everything they can to, to make sure that they retain and motivate their,
0: their best people. And again, it's interesting those last-minute shift changes. I think, and I may get this wrong. It's California in America where, if once the schedules published, and let's say it has to be published three weeks out, the company gets a fine for every change they make. Yeah, so a number of other jurisdictions I think have similar, similar
1: kind of things, and uh, California seems to be the, the, the gold standard in terms of compliance. And uh, we we often looked uh, there to see uh, what else we will uh, need to be putting in parts of, of other locations and jurisdictions in the future
0: yeah and i think that it's interesting that approach it seems quite draconian to a degree because there's a number of reasons why a schedule may change or affect more than than one employee but actually if you think about the amount of effort that goes into editing schedules close to the event i suspect it kills pretty much kills all of that so i don't know the ins and outs of it but i would imagine their scheduling processes more thorough further out to make sure that they don't then fall foul of short-term changes.
1: Yeah, and interestingly, actually, we're, we're investing also quite heavily in the kind of front end of that process. So a lot of uh, effort has gone into looking at um, the application of artificial intelligence and machine learning on the forecasting algorithms that we deploy to make sure that we can help people drive more accurate schedules in the uh, in, in the medium term. So that then has... An impact upon the amount of actually uh, changes that you need to make. Going back to my supply chain uh, days, I actually have often found that the short-term changes often created noise rather than actually bringing an awful lot of value to the the productivity or the uh, the level of service that would happen uh, as a result of making those changes. So perhaps uh, locking it down for a couple of weeks beforehand might not necessarily be such a bad thing after all.
0: It's it's almost reverse flexibility to a degree, I think, but actually to give the colleagues certainty. Of hours and when they're available to go and work somewhere else if they've got more than one job I can see the benefits both sides the fact that people have kind of you know uh, multiple jobs or or or, or
1: have a design flexibility and there are are quite often um, households where both uh, partners perhaps uh, have have similar kind of um, uh, working patterns so the ability to synchronize those and, uh, and be able to then make sure that you can take care of other and domestic responsibilities around those patterns is a is a real driver of engagement for people, and I think is something that even if it's not legislated, perhaps will be adopted by organisations who again want to be seen to be good and responsible
0: employers, and recognising that the world of work is indeed changing for, for many folks. I agree. Be interesting again another another trend to keep an eye on in this ever evolving, quick pace industry. The other thing that seems to be evolving massively is this big shift, and historically workforce management solutions have had lots of data in so people data shift data schedule data time and attendance so when i've actually clocked in and out of work and then a bunch of and there were there were reports off the back of that that can tell you exception management for for time and attendance for example a number of kpis for scheduling i see there's a big move to insight data's fine pretty static and there's some stuff that's just i need to know that to to manage my operational drive performance but do you see this big shift to insight as well where people are piecing other bits of data outside of the workforce management ecosystem in to drive more insight and then actionable recommendations off the back of it so we've seen people where you know the weather becomes important because as a material impact on their business if they're very hot weather cold weather driven or you may put customer sentiment net promoter scoring you may put sales data in do you do you see that becoming a a bigger thing yes absolutely we had our annual customer conference and one of the um, four key initiatives
1: that talked about was this idea of of using the insights to make better decisions either from a an employee engagement point of view or uh, or a product productivity point of view, and as you say, you know, we, we've often in, in workforce management thought about exceptions and measurement KPIs, but there's just such a huge wealth of data within there that gives such a, a, an added level of information. And we touched on a couple of those uh, already from this idea of people who have you know, the schedule changes that, that impact their ability to stay uh, with the company through to actually working out. Good looks like in terms of performance, either in retail or a retailer and manufacturing point of view, from a, from a producti- productivity uh, perspective, and being able to use the the power of the data tools and the the machine learning capabilities that, that, are, that are coming to the forefront now really helps uh, understand what those factors are and how we can then. Optimise the, the the working environment as as a result of looking and analysing that data, perhaps in ways that we would never sort of doing, even perhaps two,
0: three, four, five years ago. And how does that influence the product? Is that if you work it backwards, if people are wanting more insight, is that something you're building into the product, or is the data being moved out of the product into the data cubes, or is there a choice?
1: Position that we now have as as kind of I think the the largest the last standing kind of independent workforce management uh, vendor and we're agnostic both on the, the the host system that we connect to particularly a kind of ERP or, or HCM solution payroll but but also a data uh, perspective as well so the, the, the slogan that we've employed is your data your way we recognise that many organisations have made very substantial investments in business intelligence tools supporting uh, technologies in, in, in that way and, and can absolutely provide uh, the data they need to drive those insights. But we're also very much investing upon our own uh, analytics and uh, insight capability to allow people to have those kind of pre-configured insights where they can um, have uh, the sort of dashboards and information that they need to make much, much better decisions about how they employ their human capital and the resources um, to, to, to best effect, both for employees and also in terms of their, their bottom line performance. So we tr- have tried to use our um, capability and knowledge to, to accelerate the, uh, the adoption of that. But we're, again, agnostic in terms of um, if people want to use um, other technologies that, uh, that they already
0: have in their organizations. Where's the product going to be and where's it heading over the next 12 to 18 months? Clearly tech is driven by customers, you said, and you've just had your customer conference. So are there any things you can share in terms of direction of travel, some things that are on your mind and the team's mind that will add real value to your customer base? Yeah. So,
1: in addition to the uh, the ability to kind of use that data and uh, and the insights, we are seeing a real drive towards people wanting to uh, schedule their workforce uh, more effectively, as I kind of alluded to earlier. So, really, kind of looking at the um, the forecasting capability, and power that we can uh, bring to that, as well as being able to provide a comprehensive capability to schedule multiple different environments from uh, demand-driven, that potentially you have in in retail and hospitality, to how you look after uh, manufacturing locations, which are perhaps a little bit more driven by um, fixed shifts and patterns, and to bring that into a comprehensive offering that we call uh, universal scheduling was a key driver, as as well as I think the concept that I talked about in, in this uh, hub and assistant of allowing people to action and interact with the solution and regardless of technology which typically lends us now towards a mobile environment of the uh, the ability to do everything from 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 your phone and, and not necessarily be uh, stuck by a desk or, or having to use a, a particular um, terminal or, or, or device that uh, that can't be carried around
0: plenty to look forward to then and keep the developers busy and the and the testers and then the clients excited with new functionality I'd certainly hope so, and uh, yes, it's certainly an exciting time for, for workforce, I think generally for the uh, the industry and uh, in general. Good, good. So final question then from me, what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given?
1: Oh, great question. Perhaps uh, if I could
0: be allowed to, yep. uh, so yeah. I've worked with some
1: really kind of great leaders. One of the first uh, organisations that I worked for in software, and uh, the founder had this very strong belief that, The customer was the only person that put the kind of money into the the, the whole kind of machine from right the way through to the sales organization, through to developers and beyond that. So uh, a closeness to customer uh, and intimacy with those customers is is a foundation for success that I think we kind of uh, through throughout my career. And you alluded to that. We've talked about the sort of development and uh, and the future roadmap. So never losing sight of what the customer needs and uh, where they're going is, is absolutely important. From a from a personal point of view, the the sort of leaders that I've worked with seem to place a great deal of weight on on what I call resilience. Um, you know, success is very rarely overnight and is built in the in the long term. So, the, the ability to kind of learn from those setbacks, um, to 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 not kind of uh, get too inflated by, by by your victories, and to kind of stay the course, is something which I think many people have uh impressed upon me is, is is something which is which is super important so if i look around at the people that i admire for their
0: success that they, they tend to have that kind of quality of resilience wise words no very good very good and if people want to find out more about workforce software or a conversation with you steve where's the best place for them to get in touch Always happy for them to,
1: to contact me directly and find me on, on LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. www.workforcesoftware.com is a great place for various resources, white papers, content, um, as well as the COVID Response Centre that I mentioned, which um, really helps people navigate through these uh, very
0: very difficult times. Brilliant. Well, it's been a pleasure to catch up, Steve, as always. You look after yourself and we'll speak soon. Yeah, you too, Simon. Thanks very much. Enjoyed talking to you.